Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another iteration of Writing the Nerds. I have, this is Ray BG on the mic, and I have with me my co-star. Cody. And tonight, guys, we have a special surprise. We were supposed to do something else, but one of our, but, um, Kegger sort of had a a prior engagement. Um, We were going to originally do Harry Harry Potter Part 2, but tonight we're going to be doing The Watchmen. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I think... uh I don't know. For the sake of this, can we can we leave out the Zack Snyder movie, or do we want to go with? No, it? we. I mean, for we for for the sake of it, we can leave off leave off the movie. We might be able to cross reference a little bit, but we can for the most part we can talk about the HBO series. Yeah, I say because the HBO series ties in directly to the comic. Yeah. I get, well, I mean, sorry. The they acknowledge the true ending of the comic. I should say <laughs> more than anything, and actually kind of elaborate on a few things that. Right. As a result of that, that are actually kind of cool, but um, I don't know. I guess should we should we start there with the comic, or should we uh, go ahead? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Because I mean, I can't remember what kind of issue or how many issues it was originally, because I've only read it in graphic novel form, and uh, one of the only graphic novels to ever make the uh, New York Times uh, bestseller list. I, I I mean I love the artwork in that thing. That's probably one of the reasons why the artwork the artwork in that was beautiful. Oh hell yeah! And not only that, it was kind of almost. I mean, we talked about the boys at one point, but uh, this was kind of the at least one of the first things I've ever read where superheroes are just not good people. Yeah. I mean the you know by any means. They they weren't terrible people except for the comedian. He was absolutely the the freaking worst but but even at that he was like a grim reflection of society so he made sense even in a nihilist context and it's it's funny that you mentioned the boys because mm-hmm. to be honest there's a direct comparison to be honest of that world um in the watchman compared to the boys i mean like you said superheroes aren't necessarily good guys but they they do and they're not they're not necessarily vigilantes either but they they do they are there for a purpose to stop what they think is greater, more evil than they than they they are themselves. Excuse me. And it was yeah. twelve issues, by the way. The, the original graphic novel was twelve issues. Twelve issues. 12 I wanted issues. to say that, but I couldn't remember yeah. if that was right or not. And it came from <clears throat> was it Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons? Is that right? That sounds right. I yes, have, yeah. it did. It does. Because yeah. I knew Alan Moore was part of it. Because, like I yep. said, there. Moore was the writer, and Gibbons was the um, was the artist. Yes, for the series. Alan Moore, the guy who hates every adaptation of his work ever and for good reason for the most part um i i really i gotta say like there's never been a great adaptation of his work i know a lot of people like v for vendetta the comic was much bleaker actually and actually, uh, you know you mentioned we, we we left out a person too i think gibbons oh i said Dave gibbons right? Did you say, yeah, okay Dave, i missed right? i missed that yeah but no i mean those two made a hell of a team because this this was showing you all the flaws of the superhero lifestyle because none of these guys actually had powers. They were just a bunch of pissed off, like, you know, costume citizens running around, some of which who had corporate sponsorships. Like uh, Dollar Bill, <laughs> yeah. one of the original Minutemen who yep. got his cape tied up in a revolving door at a bank and gunned down at point blank. Right. Yeah. And uh, what was it? Hooded Justice, I think, was a 
He was a cop, actually, because that ties into the HBO series. The HBO series, yep. Because they never give you his identity in the comic. No, they don't. They speculate at it. Right. And then uh, was it Nelson Gardner who was um, Captain Metropolis? Yep. That was that was the guy in the show who had a relationship with. Um, yes, with Hood of Justice. Yes, Hood of yeah. Justice. Yes. And then uh, was it, no, it wasn't the Silk Spectre. I can't remember the woman's name. Was it talking about her mother or no? No, because she came. Uh, this woman came at the iteration before Sally Jupiter. Okay. And the Silk Spectre. Okay. So, um, yeah, the uh, I can't remember her name. And then you had, uh, of course, the Mothman. Yeah, I can't. I, it's not Silhouette either. That's the door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm trying to think because yeah, because her daughter just went by Silk Spectre as well. Yes. He did. But um, they they all had their, because what was it? It was, it kind of showed you the bleaker side of America too, because these guys were around right at the end of World War II, the original incarnation, right. I think. World right? War II, the original, yeah, they were. And, then the, of, and then the newer ones, that when you got Dr. Manhattan, was basically what Vietnam War. Era. Yeah, the only common link between the <clears> original <throat> group and the second group was uh, Eddie Blake, the comedian. Yes. Who is the worst person on the planet <laughs> because his life's mission is to reflect what humanity actually yes. is. And oh, it's funny so far with that. because the only person in the series who seems to get the joke is Rorschach. Yes. Like, no one else acknowledges that. They just think he's a douche, and they don't think anything more of it. They're just like, oh, that's just him being Eddie. Like, <laughs> no, that's clearly not the case. The comedian, uh, what was it, tried tried to rape the Silk Spectre. He did, I thought. No, uh, Hooded Justice actually stopped him. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, before it was able to go through, it just so happened they... Him and Silk Spectre hooked up later. Ah, okay, that's what it was. That's what I got mixed up at. Okay. Yeah, and then, uh, what was it? Yeah, so, what? Eddie Blake uh, keeps up his superhero ways well past his prime. Uh, goes through two superhero groups and, you know, in the meantime, does some wet work for the government. He assassinates Kennedy He uh, from the grassy knoll. Yeah. Uh, he apparently helped Nixon win multiple terms in the White House by getting rid of Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. Um, so as a character, he is, oh, not to mention the war crimes he committed in Vietnam. Like, let's oh, not. Oh, man. Yeah, that the Vietnam thing <laughs> in, in, was crazy because I think he, he raped some villager chick. She came back and said, hey, I have like, your child. And he's like, what child? And he basically... She, she cuts his face with a bottle, and he guns her down. Yeah, killing his unborn child as well as her, which is... But he also brings... Like, that whole scene demonstrates one vital point, though, which was about Dr. Manhattan, mm -hmm. which I suppose we'll get to here in a second, but was that Dr. Manhattan, from his very beginning, was losing touch with what it meant to be human because he could have stopped it. He could yes. have done anything to have stopped it. Yes, and which, I'm yeah. glad you brought that point up because... That extends into the show as well. Oh, yes. So that was, yeah, that's a good point. Which, yeah. So the comedian was my favorite character, not because there was anything redeemable about the guy, 
but because he was 100% like, if you liked the Hound in Game of Thrones, you liked the comedian. If you like, you know, now granted the comedian is far worse in my opinion, but he definitely has no qualms against killing and he thinks that everything is just a joke. I mean. That's interesting you said that because when you, when you, when you compare him to that, because my comparison was like a low rent, um, he was the Batman who laughs without the intellect, which is all the carnage, in my opinion. I don't know, because he was always somehow the voice of reason. Like, it's something he says that gets the whole events of the comic kickstarted. Okay. Was whenever um, Ozymandias or whatever is like, we can save this world. And he's like, no, you can't. Right. He did, yeah, yeah he's true. just like, the only thing that's going to matter when those nukes start flying is that old Ozymandias will be the smartest man on the sender. True. Like, you know, he basically <laughs> said, like, you can't do shit. True. You know, like, it, he was right. Yeah. You know, human nature is always going to trump itself. Yeah. And he knew that because he'd been living it. I, I don't know if With there was... no boundaries, like, privilege to the utmost. And I think he enjoyed it, but I also don't know if he did it, that he was hoping that everyone else would get the joke and kind of, you know, change things. Or if he was just that amoral that he just didn't care. Like, I'm sure it turned into that, but there has to be a part of it that at one point he's like, I don't know why these people think I am any good whatsoever. The joke might just be getting sicker, you know, as it goes along. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Because I was, I was actually going to say, I think that he, he got used to it. And I think that he he realized no one really cared. Um only thing they cared, only thing they cared about was getting getting whatever missions they were on completed. And as long as you did the work for me, I don't care what else you do. You, it's, it's considered collateral damage. Yeah, so, yeah. And I gotta say, I gotta give a special shout out to Jeffrey Dean Morgan for his portrayal of the comedian in the movie because it was brilliant. <laughs> it was like I, I mean, he made me uncomfortable. He made me laugh when I shouldn't have a few times. <laughs> And I felt bad for that, too. But at the same time, it was like, I think it was just more watching the glee behind it. So and, my my character, since we're, we're trying, we're just glazing over the movie. My favorite character was Night Owl, the Night Owl. Which and, one? Um, two. Night Owl 2. OK, yes. And only because he um, he was basically Batman. Yeah, he was basically Batman and and. So the, the Silk Spectre, um, his love interest was basically freaking Selena Kyle. <laughs> Actually, that's true. <laughs> so I mean, that though he was my favorite character in all this because I mean, he he I think he realized the madness of the comedian, but he he was of the sense well, I really can't. I want to stop him, but I really can't. I don't think I have that backing. But he also he also was apprised of. Um, what was going on with Dr. Manhattan and what was going on with Rorschach. But again, he was like, I I want to stop them, but I don't really think I can, you know? Yeah. Well, he definitely <laughs> couldn't stop Dr. Manhattan. Right. Like the, no one could. Right. Ozymandias tried, like he couldn't do it. Nice. Like uh, Ozymandias tried, he couldn't do it. Like plenty have tried. 
and Dr. Manhattan, which was funny because they explained something very vital about nuclear deterrence as well. We're just getting into Dr. Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's really, if you're looking... He's the tie between the two shows, so yeah. He's, he's the most important character in that universe. He is. And he is created by a hor- John Osterman is his name. Uh, he was created in a horrible lab accident where they were using, was it a particle accelerator? It was a particle accelerator. That tore him apart. It was an experimental thing. Um, yeah, and it, was, yeah. it tore him down atom by atom to the point where he had to reconstitute himself. By sheer will, by the Legion. It was will that brought him back. He literally yes. should have been dead. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so sheer will that brought him back from the... From oblivion, really, yeah, to the point where he also has godlike powers. To the point where his friend uh, declares that God exists and he's American. Uh, Because Doctor Manhattan can do anything; he can reconstitute himself. He can reconstitute other matters. He can take everything apart piece by piece. You know, like he can make people explode from pointing at them. He can. Yes, Doctor Manhattan is like the ultimate. What are we looking at here? That's damn. Like the, uh, I mean, the cast of the movie was great. Yeah. Especially since we got Max Headroom in there as Moloch. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they. He can do anything he wants to. So there's, he. But he's American. That's the scary part. Because now, in the nuclear arms race, that was the Cold War. Right. The Americans have the single greatest weapon on Earth. Right. And I, who seems to be okay with being a weapon. Yeah, because, I mean, he realizes he realizes that though he is a weapon, it's still up to him whether or not. What he, he does what is basically what he wants. Yeah. The government, nobody can control him. He is the weapon that's technically un, un, uncontrollable. Yeah. But he's still a weapon. But he also <laughs> works to further the government's aims. Like, he wins Vietnam for them. He does. Uh, he, you know, he does a lot of other things. That are, you know, he helps them build tech, new technology. He helps, you know, because he, his massive intellect is there still. Uh, you know, he's an inventor first, a warrior second. But in terms of that, everybody now, you know, Russians start stockpiling nukes in this universe because they just hope they have enough that can make it past Dr. Manhattan. Because even if two or three land, you're okay. Like, you know, the, the nukes will do their job. But Dr. Manhattan can still shoot down... 98% of them because he can be anywhere and everywhere at once should he want to. But what you learn in the series is that wouldn't matter anyways because literally he can he can change reality. So nukes wouldn't right. nukes wouldn't matter anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he can the thing is like his powers are limitless. Basically, yeah. So he's clearly the most dangerous but somehow he just goes into being a no offense here to you know, basic bitch crime fighter. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. when he joins Ozymandias' group, like, yeah. that's what he is. But, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that you said that he won the um, he won the Vietnam War. And it makes, because, you know, in, in, in that storyline, because he, he could see the past, the present, the futures, and the possible realities, I wonder if he actually saw the reality that we know well, as being real and decided this was the better course. Because, you know, once when he, when he did win the war... Vietnam technically became a state of America. Yeah, 51st state. Yes. The funny thing is the comedian says something and they're just like, you know, I think if we would have lost this war, the whole country would have gone crazy. (laughs) I'm like, holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. 
So you might be right, but I think Dr. Manhattan also says that, uh, okay, part of his power set is kind of terrifying because he experiences past, present, and future simultaneously. Yeah. But he doesn't experience your future, just right. his own. Right. So, yeah, he could make these complex calculations at any time, but since he's living all of these lives simultaneously, he doesn't change anything because... To him, it's all happening in real time, mm -hmm. I guess. But, you know, they don't really touch on that much in the comics. Right. It, he's more of just a, you know, I can change almost anything is something he says, but not human nature. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't really try to. He, you know, he's kind of lost his empathy for the most part. I totally agree. You know, he, he's lost his empathy, but at the same time, he still has enough of it left to where certain things like he to, he has enough empathy left that his reason still wins right so you know he doesn't just do anything he wants there is something keeping him in check but it's his own set of I ideals i suppose this is his last stretch of humanity that he has left yeah <clears throat> and it, you know which is funny because the only person in the comic who's smart enough to exploit that is ozymandias well, Ozymandias was an asshole, and I'm sorry for that term, but he was a butt in, 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 in everything. Oh, uh, everything. If it didn't serve Ozymandias, it wasn't worth doing or worth worth living or happening. So, yeah. Ozymandias, the, <laughs> the self-made billionaire playboy uh, who is also the smartest man on Earth. So, in other words, he was Lex Luthor in a different reality. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Night Owl was Batman. Yeah. Dr. Manhattan may as well have been Superman. Kind of. Superman plus, but yeah. Superman plus, like, an amalgamation of everyone's powers. Like, there you yeah, go. The, uh, uh, you know, definitely, there there was no Wonder Woman equivalent. I have no idea what the hell Rorschach would be. Rorschach would be a mix between a Joker and... Um... <clears throat> No, I can't say the Flash. Joker and Flash, Don, that would be right. No. But he was sort of a joke. He was sort of like the Joker was, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Or he could have been a Rasha Ghoul without the, mur the complete murder, murder. Yeah. yeah. I mean. If I was looking for a, a, a DC character to compare him to. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because I know we just touched on Ozymandias there, and he'll become more important as we continue talking. But uh, Rorschach is a very interesting character. You know, homeless guy, uh, also known to have very high intellect. No, yeah, well, um, and that's the thing. Most of the characters in the Watchmen were very intelligent, yeah, um, people, and that part—that's sort of what made them who they were as superheroes. Um, but they also, were, a lot of them were very troubled because they had yeah. everyone in everyone in this, except for maybe Doctor Manhattan, up to the point he became Doctor Manhattan, had some type of trauma, yeah, in their in their in their life. And Rorschach's was that his mother <clears throat> was a prostitute. Yeah. He constantly got picked on, bullied, and made fun of for it whenever yep. he was a child as well, which gave him, it made him hate the lawless portion of society. Right. You know, like, no one was there to protect him. His mother sure as hell didn't when she was right. engaging in illegal activities, you know, like, the, so he was constantly fending for himself to where his persona just made more sense later. Right. To the point where he considered the Rorschach mask he put on his face. Right. Which I love that material because the it was originally made by Dr. Manhattan, but for some reason it didn't 
work right because it was supposed to be for a line of clothes that changed with the seasons, like right. color and everything. But instead, it was uh, something didn't come out right, so it just wound up like the ink blots basically just wound up just swirling all the time into different shapes, which is perfect because the Rorschach ink block test that you know a lot of us are probably aware of having seen in the movies series. or yeah, yeah. television at some point, you know, right. Um, you know, that's how he gets his name. And it's perfect for him because it kind of represents his character transformation too and the fact that he is constantly seeing everything morphing in front of his eyes. Like, that case that basically sends him into murder mode. Right. For all the other perps he gets after that. You know, the little girl that got kidnapped and fed to the uh, dogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when he, that's the first time he killed a guy. Right. Um, you know, that's what sets him in motion. It's his transformation. The ink blots moved. Right. Basically. And that was the point when he also started understanding the comedian's take on things a little bit too well as well. Like Rorschach's biggest weakness was the fact that he was an idealist with empathy, but couldn't handle any more trauma that would put that empathy in check. Okay. I can see that. I can definitely see that. <clears throat> yeah. that That's kind of what I always thought about him. Uh, and, I understood that, you know, he's very much a joker. He is, he was one bad day away from going full on murder mode. But right. He was able to essentially keep his sense of justice. So instead of the joker, he wound up turning into a Batman who wouldn't mind crack. Like, actually, I take that back. He turned into a Robert Pattinson Batman who just beats a dude to death in the trailer. That dude in that trailer is dead. Like, let's just go ahead and bring that out. I am vengeance. <laughs> no, he, at that point he was death yeah yeah like the way he beat that dude that dude is either eating out of a straw for the rest of his life or he's dead <clears throat> oh man and i guess by the rest of his life that could be about 30 minutes after that beating too because that that was just vicious in that trailer um yeah i mean that's rorschach though he had that one bad day that tipped him um and after that, because do you remember the uh, conversation that Dan and Lori had? It was like, it was a uh, Captain Payne who always wanted to be punished or something like that. And Night Owl was like, I just had to walk away from him. He kept following behind me going, punish me, punish me. And <laughs> Lori goes, whatever happened to that guy? And he's like, well, he tried the same thing on Rorschach and Rorschach dropped him down an elevator shaft. <laughs> he punished him. He asked for it. Right? So, Yeah. <laughs> like you you have those moments where you know Dan is the he's the idealist who never lost the ideals right and to the point where whenever he's forced to give up his superhero life that like ruins his life almost because right. he becomes well he just becomes you know a shell of his former self he lets himself go he can't function outside of the uh he can't function outside a costume that well. Right. Which is strange. You know. Which which is ironic, um, because if you guys watch this watch the boys, it's sort of the same thing. Um, especially in this current season. I'm not gonna spoil it for most of you guys, but I can say from the first season, um, uh, it was all about um with the, as well as the watchmen, it's all about in front of the cameras, it's a diff- the hero is, is is stoic. But outside the cameras, then that's when their real life comes to play, and they're not as 
stoic as you think they should be. They can't. They don't. They don't deal with morality the same way when they're not in front of the camera. Right. <clears throat> and they're already functioning outside the law anyway. Exactly. So, um, well, actually, I guess we kind of come to another common link. Like we've already kind of discussed the characters that make up the core group of the comic. Yeah. We went into the Minutemen who came before a little bit. Yeah. They're not as important until you get to the HBO show. Right. But the original incarnation, or sorry, the, the second incarnation of the group uh, that has, you know, Sal, or that has uh, Lori Jupiter slash Lori Blake. Right. Uh, you know, then you have Eddie Blake, the comedian. You have Dr. Manhattan, Rorschach, Osmandius, and Night Owl 2, who took over from Night Owl 1, which was Hollis Mason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Was it the comic starts out with the comedian getting murdered in his apartment mm-hmm. by an unknown assailant? You assume, yeah. yeah, you assume you don't know who he is, but yeah, you know, you, we know who it is. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> because the comedian doesn't seem at all surprised to see him, right? You know, like so they clearly know there's some history there. And comedian, even from being a dude who's between sixty and seventy at this point, I'm assuming. Can't remember. That's about right. Yeah. Since World War One, yeah, World War Two, yeah. That's that's about right. Still puts up a hell of a fight. Oh no, he he um <laughs> yeah he he brings it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and you know you find out a little more over the course of the comic. It's because he stumbled onto some things he shouldn't have. Um, but he gets thrown out of his window. Some defenestration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Thrown out that damn window onto the floor below, uh, to which Rorschach stumbles upon the crime scene, mm-hmm. does a little bit of investigating, finds out he was the comedian. So now Rorschach's got this idea in his head that somebody is going to start murdering uh, costume heroes. Right. Vigilantes, costume heroes, yeah. Which is a bit wild to jump to, given that everybody knew the comedian's history, especially with his wet work he did for the U.S. government. Right. Uh, you know, but Rorschach... Highly, you know, high intellect, but even for this, it's, he's kind of stretching it at first. But he takes the theory to Dan, Drybird, Night mm-hmm. Owl 2, who is uh, just like, uh, you might be a little crazier, Rorschach. But Dan decides to take matters into his own hands and try and warn, <laughs> try to warn Ozymandias, who, <laughs> who later has an attempt on his life as well uh, by some assailant who winds up shooting a bunch of people in his lobby or whatever before Osmandius takes him down. You gotta remember you're dealing with Osmandius here. So <clears throat> yeah. That's the twist. Who, <laughs> who is heavily hinted to be the fastest man on earth too. Okay. Like saying he could catch a bullet. Right. Air, like, you know, and that the guy who tries to gun for him specifically can't manage to pull it off. Right. Um, and everybody knows who Ozymandias is because he's he marketed his likeness as Ozymandias for, or sorry, Adrian Veidt. I should say his name out loud. Adrian Veidt. Uh, he he markets his likeness and basically profits off of being a costume hero. And right. Makes more money that way. Um, because uh, no one knows who the others are, except for Ed, Edward Blake. Because he worked for the government, they knew who he was, um, and Doctor Manhattan. Because well, everybody was familiar with the big blue guy, uh, who was at this point not fond of wearing clothes. 
I mean, do you if you're made of energy and and whatnot, would you wear clothes? I, I mean, does it matter? <laughs> perceiving everything the way he does, it really doesn't. Matter. I mean, come on. There's nothing important whatsoever about any of that. Yeah, the 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 big blue pea shoot there, <laughs> and broad daylight. Right. I mean, come on, dude. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he's nobody's. Uh, nobody will ever not know who he is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so now I'm trying to think of what I'm missing. Though. It's a. Uh, which actually, there is an interesting hole in time, I think, that the HBO series creates. And I might not be right on my timelines, but we'll get into that soon enough. And it's related to his love choices. See In the series? Yes. So, yay and nay. Um, what, what part? See, whenever he hooks up with Angela, isn't he still technically with Sally? Or with, uh, not Sally, but um, Lori? Yeah, he never left Lori. Like, he just yeah. decided one day, I don't want to, I want something new. I want a new experience. Now, they were together for, wait, no, okay, hold on. He never I, lost his love for her in the series? Well, no, that's true, because they were together for 10 years, but the Watchmen comic ends in the 80s. Right. So, never mind. I'm, so, during that time, he's on Mars, or what? Was it, it was yeah. Mars? Well, my, my timeline was messed up because for some reason I thought him and Laura. Yeah, I was way off. Yeah, no, he he never officially said was done with her, but he he wanted something new. He's basically on Mars his whole time. Yeah. He constructed that whole in the series. He constructs his whole world for for himself, and then he got tired of. It. He got bored with it, yeah. and he decides, I'm going to see what Ozymandias wants because I need a favor. So I'm going to give him something in return. And he doesn't tell Ozymandias this until right. he asks Ozymandias, do you want to go to a place where it's it's peaceful for you? Yeah. And he did the devil in the detail thing. Right. Basically, he asked, he made sure to ask Ozymandias, are you sure this is what you want? And Ozymandias said yes. And so he sent him to a place where he has perfect servitude. Right. And so I guess in turn, he got his wish of being able to become human stable stable in a corporeal form again yeah so i guess <clears throat> cutting cutting back to the series or to the comic then because well, the, the hbo series is a lot to unpack it is um we just skip ahead because gradually rorschach begins to find out there's a bigger conspiracy yes. behind everything in the comics yes which is in part told by the in near told by the movie as well but yeah, yeah which he finally gets as he's getting wise to it, so is the real perpetrator of the whole thing that's about ready to happen and has him thrown in jail for framing him for murdering Moloch the Mystic. Right. Um, so, you know, Dan and Lori break him out of prison uh, right as they all figure out that, well, there's only one guy who's behind all this. It's Adrian Veidt. It's Ozymandias. Mm -hmm. He's the guy who killed the comedian, who mm -hmm. set all this in motion, but what's his endgame? Uh, he also <laughs> got Dr. Manhattan to leave the planet mm -hmm. and go to Mars by basically making it look like being close enough to Dr. Manhattan gives you cancer. Right. From his radioactivity, even though he's not radioactive. Right. Um, so he sets that whole planet in motion and also has, you know, one of my favorite reveals really is whenever they go to his antarctic base 
uh, Karnak. Is it, is it Karnak? Or is I think it, that's right. I could, I could check on that. Um, and confronts him there. So basically, you know, he holds them off long enough, even though he's clearly outmatched them. He's just biding time to make sure that his plan goes through and that they can't do jack shit to stop him. Uh, although this is after Lori gets back from Mars, where she visits Dr. Manhattan. And she finds out that the comedian's her father Mm -hmm. from just a random occurrence. And that actually gives Dr. Manhattan some faith in humanity again. So he comes to Antarctica with them. And Ozymandias tries to wipe him out of existence again. And you kind of think he succeeded. But then Dr. Manhattan shows back up and he's like, I learned how to put myself back together once before. Do you really think this was going to (laughs) work? And by that point... Uh, Ozymandias has basically beaten Rorschach, Lori, and Night Owl to a pulp just so that way they can't ruin his plan because he tells them his entire plan, they're like, you'll never get away with this. And he's like, do you think I would have told you anything if you had any chance of stopping it? It's like, I did all this. Yeah, he just goes, I did all this 35 minutes ago. (laughs) And that's when you find out that he unleashed a giant psychic squid monster on New York. Yes. That uh, basically, when it appeared, it died and sent a psychic shockwave through New York that killed three million? Something like that, yes. Yeah. And that ties back into the series, HBO <laughs> series, which we'll get to. So. Yeah, because in the movie, it's they make it look like Dr. Manhattan did. He doesn't just hit New York. He hits the entire globe. Yes. Like, he, he hits all the larger cities across the world. And then everybody who knows about it just decides to keep silent because it kind of accidentally created world peace. Yes. Because the U.S. and Russia, since they think giant squid monsters can come at any time, are willing to put their differences aside to combat alien threats. And you find that in the series, this is continuously done just to continue world peace. Yeah. So, yes. (laughs) Which, Ozymandias had a very long-running plan. Uh, and, in fact, the only person who's going against it is Rorschach. And he's like, you almost dig Vite's new utopia, but I don't. Like, everybody deserves to know, never compromise, even in the face of Armageddon. So, he tries to leave, Dr. Manhattan says, hold on a second. <laughs> and he's like, look, I'm not going to stop, and I know you're not going to let me go, so just do what you got to do. Right. And Dr. Manhattan kills Rorschach. Right. Which... This is at the point when it's peak nihilism, basically, where it's just like nothing matters, you think, until you find out that Rorschach was able to drop off his journal with all the incriminating evidence to a local newspaper. Right. And at the end, you see some intern looking it over, trying to figure out what to put on page one. Right. It's like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, so the doomsday clock might be back on. But then... Now we get to the HBO series, 30 years later. So, HBO series, um, from the graphic novel and from what we talked about and from the movie, um, that series was put put together pretty well. It starts off um, in Oklahoma. Uh, Aren't they in Oklahoma at the time? Yeah, Tulsa. They're in Tulsa, and Tulsa Mm -hmm. is being used... um, for an important historical point, but also to illustrate um, 
how society has become dealing with law enforcement since technically being a vigilante or being a, a, a costume guy is, is illegal now. Yeah, um, which was done by the Keen Act in 1985, yeah. I think, in the yeah somewhere around there. Yeah, so being a suit is illegal, um, but being a cop now um, to hide to protect yourselves because so since all of humanity now is kumbaya, um, you had a group of people who started believing in Ozymandias purity concept, and so you had a, this whole new group of um, what do I want to call them um, supremacists. Oh yes, the Seventh Cavalry. The Seventh Cavalry and. You find out that the Seventh Cavalry um, is not truly gone, but its members had created such an atrocity that um, police officers had to start wearing masks so that, so that they wouldn't be killed off. Oh yeah, because apparently there was like a hit done on a, on a whole police unit. Uh, it was Christmas. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A couple years before the series starts, and it was called the White Knight. Yes. Whenever they targeted uh, the Seventh Cavalry, targeted police officers specifically. Yes. And killed a lot. Yes. Um, yeah, just coordinated, single night, a lot of hits. So the senator from Oklahoma, uh, also by the last name of Keene, uh, creates a new act that would allow the police to wear masks so that way they can protect their identity from anyone who would seek retribution. Yes. And so you also learn um, in the series the main character... Played by my favorite actress. Oh my goodness. What's her name? Uh, Regina Hall. Regina Hall. You find out that um, she... Um, yes, that's correct. Okay. That's, that's my... I love that woman. The woman is... The woman is Rich. actress gold. She is. And <laughs> she's, she's freaking brilliant, I gotta she, say. Yes. Um, and also did voice work for the two main kids on the boondocks. Yes. That, yes. Yeah. I... It, it threw me for a loop when I found out that was her because I'm like, it just, <laughs> she's got some good voices. I got to say, she's got some, she's got a lot of, she's got a shitload of acting talent, so. But so you find out that her character is Lady, um, Lady. Oh, Sister Knight. Sister Knight, sorry. You find out her character is, that's her alter ego. She's a, she's a cop, but she's also a suit, but she's not like, so it's, she's special because she gets to be a vigilante but at the same time, she works within the law. And so um, you find her history. You find out her history. Uh, basically, her father was in the... Oh, it's um, Regina King. Sorry. Regina King. God, I'm, I'm an idiot. Okay, yes. I apologize. You're still my queen, though. You're mm-hmm. gold. That's all I can say. Gold. Platinum. Whatever. Wonderful actress. Actor. Um, anyways, um, you find out that her... That she became orphaned because... Um, her, her father was in the military. He's in the army. Um, and their family was overseas in the now independent, I'm sorry, now in the 51st state of America, uh, Vietnam. And um, basically, he, he got killed by a separatist group of uh, Vietnamese who wanted to be separate from the United States. And the, her parents were caught up in a bomb. And she sort of feels like it was her fault because um, she went and got a movie and her parents told her she couldn't have it and she needed to return. Was it a movie or was it a book? It was a movie. And it was actually a movie called Sister Night, if I recall yes. correctly. And so. her parents didn't want her to have that material because they considered it to be um, a, little, a little too violent. A little too violent. Yeah. A little too fantasy. And um, so as she's getting ready to take it back, 
to the store, a bomb went off and, and basically made her an orphan. And she was raised in Vietnam. And um, apparently she was, even then, she was quick-witted and um, whatnot. And she became, later on in life, I'm, I'm breezing over certain things. She was spotted by a, um, a Vietnamese police officer. And they told her, because of how quick she was, that whenever she wants to join you know, the force, come, come find them. And she did. And she became one of the best police officers um, in Vietnam. And that's where she eventually meets, which you don't know at the time, Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> you want to carry on from there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess she meets Dr. Manhattan in Vietnam. But um, really, most everything happens in the States. It does. Yeah. So... I, I, I she's, cover the, you, she's a detective who now her day job, you know, air quotes on that, is running a bakery. Yes. And I guess it's good to note Robert Redford is president. Yes. Which is weird because they there's a common typically racist thing that a lot of people wind up saying in that called Redford Nations. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is supposed to be reparations and but it's only used derogatory <clears throat> right. by anybody who's really trying to stir the pot. Right. Um, but she has an interesting cast of characters that she works with in the police department who all have their own weird masked identities. Right. Um, but the best of which, by far, is this show's version of Rorschach. Which Absolutely, is Rorschach, too. Looking Glass. He has Looking Glass. He's oh awesome. Oh, my God, yes. That was uh, my first time ever knowing this guy as an actor, and then I I saw another movie, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, my freaking goodness, he is a good actor. Oh, he's, he's a very versatile. Of, yeah, he's a hell of an actor. He's very good. Yeah. Tim <laughs> Blake Nelson. If any, just look up his filmography, because you will not be disappointed. No. Ever. He's very versatile. Um. So, but he is, he's kind of their profiler, I guess, in a way, because he he basically interrogates people and is able to basically sniff through their bullshit in like two seconds. And again, when, um, like in the original, um, in the movie, in the the, the graphic novel, like most people, the the heroes in this have trauma. And his trauma was, um, his trauma was when Dr. Manhattan, I'm sorry, not Dr. Manhattan, but when Ozymandias unleashed the psychic squid he was at a fair uh so let me let me i'm jumping a bit he was actually part of this church group that believed um that the end of the world was coming and that sins um would send you to hell or whatever it was and um basically um he had a guilty pleasure um and in that the fact that guilty pleasure was he was still a virgin technically yeah and he'd never been with a female and so while he was at this fair, um, there's this chick who was, she was joshing with him. She was messing with him. I use Josh. Uh, uh, <laughs> she was messing. We're hip here. That's, yeah, we're all down with all the latest trends. <laughs> so she was messing with him and she took him to the Hall of Mirrors. And she basically got him naked and she tied him. She, she, she stole his clothes. She stole his yeah. clothes and then she ran. But because he was in that, that, place at that particular time he was away from the, the, the point of destruction that the psychic squid's death emitted and she went out and she along with everybody else within that whole park was annihilated the only people that survived were him and some other members of the um of his cult i think it was a cult their church group so when he went out he became a true believer in that sins and iniquities would 
would end up destroying you or some yeah, crap like that. I, 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 I'm I probably think, not translating it right. I think but, they also mentioned that anybody who survived the squid attack in that proximity yeah. has horrible psychological defects for life afterward. Like yeah. it's uh, they get vivid, you know, memories, hallucinations. And they he does. Hear stuff, Throughout yeah. the series, he does. He even has that little... Um, he bought the, 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 that's why he, that's actually one of the reasons why yes. he wears the mask. It's the reflective tape, where yes. it wasn't it, because that actually is proven that if another psychic attack like that would happen, he would be spared because the reflective tape would actually right. drown it out. And also, there's another reason why he also has like this, um, psychic squid <laughs> alert system, yes. which is complete garbage. But, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of the most important things that I glazed over when I was talking about, um, Lady Knight, is it, is, is Sister Knight. Sister Knight. I keep saying, why do I keep saying lady? I got somebody in my head that's a Well, character. it was, if you think about it, it was based off of that movie she picked up, which was about a kick-ass nun called yeah. Sister Knight. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so, I glaze over Sister Knight, um, the main character of this series, is probably one of the most important characters. Because oh, you find out she has a tie-in so to the original Minutemen later on, and we'll get to that as we go. That's right. But um, to continue on, the one of the things I glazed over was that first episode dealt with um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, at, during the time that they that this show kicks off, they're going through the... Uh, there's a flashback to a specific character dealing with um, the Tulsa Massacre, which is also known as Black Wall Street, the Massacre of Black Wall Street. Um, and in it... Um, yeah, it occurred in 1921. Right. Yeah, which, if, you know, crack open a history book, and you'll find out just how fucking horrific it is. But that, again, the trauma creates a, a whole different, it creates, um, it's, it ties into to the main character, Sister Knight, and, and her and her lineage. Um, and that's all I'm going to mess with it until we get to that point on that subject. Right. So first episode is kind of just setting up the world, really. It, it does, yes. You know, you get your first squid rain. Yes, you do. Um, Smaller squids. Yeah. Which you're only there to remind the public that, yes, this shit apparently can still happen. It's part of Ozymandias's long-running plan to make sure that his world peace is achieved. Right. Um, even though you find out something a little more sinister about that later on. Which is, to me, is disgusting, but we'll get into that later. But it was... Um, so you kind of get the world set up, and then at the very end of the episode... Uh, Sister Knight's boss, the police chief. Yes. Is Judd Crawford, I think his name was, played by Don Johnson. Love that actor as well. Oh, yeah. Miami Vice for life. Uh, he gets <laughs> killed at the end of the episode. He does. Uh, and that's whenever the plot really gets into motion because now they're trying to figure out. They, they've already rounded up some 7th Cavalry who was suspected of killing the cop at the beginning of the episode. Right. But now they've got an even bigger fish to fry because you know that guy was a beat cop but this guy was the police chief right so uh the second episode starts off with you know uh regina king's character you know sister knight basically finding out who did it because the guy still at the crime scene right and called her out there he does uh it is a very old man in a wheelchair yes who somehow managed to hang the police chief from a tree yeah, right? How the hell do you pull that one off? So she immediately doesn't believe him because, well, would you? Right. You know, but she 
she whisks him away from the crime scene anyway so she can interrogate him herself and lies to the police about what's going on. Right. Because she wants to investigate the police chief a little more, and that's when she finds the secret compartment in his closet that has the clan robe. There. Yes. Which, clearly... She also, she also yeah. finds out about his grandfather, who yeah. was the leader of the original group. Which was Cyclops, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, she finds out that her best friend was secretly a racist the whole yes. time. And probably just keeping her close for some kind of unknown purpose. And that was the and that was the cover of um actually we know what the purpose was, but yeah. that was sort of the cover for, for the whole thing. Uh for the whole more for the bigger picture on the morality of the whole Watchmen series is um you have people that were pretending to be um to, to preach equality, but they're really just keeping um, those people who they were trying to preach and to have equality for as a token for a greater cause, for a greater domination in the end. Right. So, so yes, they, they're they using people. Like, they, they put on a good public face, right. but behind the scenes, they are plotting the downfall of all those people they're close to. Yes. And it, it's pretty sinister, you know? Like, um, I'm trying to think of really what happened. So, you know, she tries to start putting the pieces together. Like, how the hell did this happen? Uh, and the guy, you know, admits to everything, but he also admits something huge as well. And that, you know, yeah, I killed the police chief, but I'm also your grandfather. Uh, say what now? <laughs> and he leaves her these. Um, so first of all, we skip the big thing because he she does find him. She finds him in her bakery. And she's like, how the fuck did you get in my bakery? And then on top of... No, 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 no. Oh, I, th- I thought she took him there. Yeah, she took him there because he was outside in the wheelchair. Yeah. But so he escapes. Like, she doesn't realize this because basically it's one of the old um, Owl 2's freaking yeah. hovercrafts that they use. But she didn't realize that at first. But basically, um, he pulls off this majestic thing. And you're like, oh, wow, we got people with superpowers in this show all of a sudden. But he pulls off this thing where he... He's he's inside the SUV, her SUV, and she she's out, and he he gets lifted up and just like taken away. Yeah. And then when the Silver Spectre gets involved, no, I'm sorry, a little before she comes to, comes into play, the SUV just drops out of the sky. And then in, in the glove compartment are these bottles of pills. Yes, the um, I can't remember what they're called, but they're basically to help you. Recover your memories. Right. Uh, so he was obviously losing his memories. Old age ravaged him. Right. Uh, and he was taking these pills so that way he could remember, but he didn't need them anymore because he had done everything he needed to do. Right. So, uh, you know, you don't quite find out who has him for another episode or two right. yet. But. Um, Mind you, these pills were also illegal because apparently they caused psychosis. Yes, especially if you take ones that were not made for, for you. you. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, everything kind of starts kicking into gear really after that because now you get some background on who her grandfather was. Mm-hmm. He was Hooded Justice. Yes. Which the original members of that group were all thought to be Dead. white men. Oh, yeah. White, yeah. Well, That's with true. the exception of a few women. Right. So now you have. This revelation that, because you can see when he's putting on the makeup that he makes the spots around his eyes because he wears a, the way he became Hooded Justice was he survived a lynching. He did. 
by his own police. Yeah, by his own police squad members. Yes. So he kept the bag they tied over his head, cut eye holes in it, kept the noose they wrapped around his neck yep. as part of the costume, and started getting some vengeance. Well, not and not killing them, like, but making sure they brought they got brought to justice. Right. Like he he took them down and discovered a larger conspiracy in the process. Right, and I mean, he, it, and ironically, his story, since we were talking about his story a bit, um, before he became a police officer, the only black chief that was there at the time told him, beware of the Cyclops. Yep. And he didn't know what that, he said, what, he didn't know what that mean. He didn't ask, he just didn't know what that mean. <laughs> and eventually he learned what the Cyclops was. Yeah. Or who the Cyclops were. Which, <laughs> they had a very interesting mind control machine. Mm-hmm. that they were developing uh, that essentially used a series of hypnotic suggestion through like strobe light mm-hmm. kind of effect to basically make whoever was watching it do anything they wanted. So they would try and target places where people would have to see this projector. Mm-hmm. So they targeted movie theaters, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, and yeah, it turned into, you know, they, they got some pretty horrific crimes that would be committed, but no one would ever be the wiser because it all of a sudden would look like a crowd just kind of looked like the end of the first Kingsman movie. Right. That pitch plays <laughs> and everybody just goes bad That's shit. crazy. Yeah. You know, and causes some horrid acts of violence to happen. But he discovers it, shuts them down. Uh, the other Minutemen, notably uh, the group he's part of, don't care. Right. They don't want to hear about it. They've got a. It turns into basically just a big PR stunt. Right. And he's especially perturbed because his identity as Hood of Justice has wrecked his entire life. Right. Like his wife left him. He was engaging in a relationship with the leader of the Minutemen. Was it Nelson Gardner? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, he he had his other demons. He was fight like you know for him they were demons because it wasn't accepted at the time and. Even though he was loyal to his family, he still fell in love with a man. Right. And, I mean, that that actually um, reflected on why his son sort of, you know, lost all contact with him. Why the lead character doesn't know him because his yeah. father intentionally, after the, after, the divorce, after the mom left his father, intentionally didn't involve himself with his father. Yeah. Because it wasn't just because, though, his father was deemed a bad person. It was because... Um, but he had so much anger, anger and yes. resentment for himself and yes. for everyone at large. It yes. just it bled into his family. It did. Yeah. I think that was a scene where his son was put on makeup and the whole masculinity thing came into play. Yeah. Where he rich he literally like ripped it out and told his son don't ever do or anyway, it was bad enough for his wife to be like, um, was he to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, his his relationship with Gardner never got exposed to anyone except his Right. If I remember correctly. Because so, otherwise, there would have been more hell to pay for him yeah. at large. It probably would have destroyed the, the hero group yeah. by itself as well. You know the thing that tripped me out, though, about that? They took because the, this uh, was back in the 1940s. Right. They, like, took, they yeah. took Hooded Justice and they made, they, they made a TV show out of it where he was, you know, mm-hmm. a gay white man. Played by Billy Zane, I think. <laughs> I, you might be, I think you're right. Because they had that show within a show that yeah. shows the, the history of the Minutemen. Yeah. Yeah. And they always portray him as a white dude. Yeah. So I laughed at that. I was like, oh my God. Well, I mean, he always did the makeup and everything and made sure that all of his body stayed covered whenever he was 
doing official business for the group. Right. So now, with Hooded Justice, you have racism, homophobia, and, you know, anger issues that all come into play against his character. Like, the dude was was never meant to be happy. You know, like, at least in the time period he lived in. Obviously, as time went on, he became more accepted for who he was. Right. But he kind of became a hermit anyway. You know, yeah, Nelson Gardner dies, leaves him his vast fortune. He does. Uh, with an apology. Yep. As was very much needed, but for a lot of different damn reasons. Yep. Um, but, you know, that leading up to that, like, he gets uh, a mysterious visit one day at his... New mansion in, is it in New York? It's somewhere real posh and upscale. Uh, Gets a visit from a lovely gentleman in a suit and tie who is not blue at the time. Right. Um, But yeah, it's Dr. Manhattan who has a uh, odd request. Yeah, he asked for a favor. (laughs) Yeah, like in the future, some weird shit's going to go down. And it definitely involves you because you've already dealt with it before. Right. Uh, but it also affects your granddaughter. And he's like, I don't even know I have family anymore. Like, he doesn't know. He, he doesn't know where his son is. He doesn't know his son got married. He doesn't know his son had a daughter. Right. He doesn't even know if his wife's still alive. Right. You know, or ex-wife, sorry, still alive. Like, they, he doesn't know anything. But now Dr. Manhattan's walking, literally walking through his door. Because uh, he tries to shut him out, thinking the guy's crazy. Right. And then Dr. Manhattan just phases through the door and, like, no, seriously, you just hear me out for a second. Right. And that was that was actually important, the way they did it, because you were, when they, it was weird, because they, um, you know that um, Regina King's uh, sister, um, Knight's sister, is with this guy, but you don't realize who this guy is at all. And, um, yeah. Yeah. You just know she met this guy. He was a nice guy. But there were holes in this, in this story that as Regina Regina King was reliving everything, um, the history and all. Like, she was like, where, where were you at? Such and such and such. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, he... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they they intercut that perfectly. Because you don't find that out. That conversation doesn't take place till episode nine, yep. I think. Never even had. though it... Took place, took place like twenty years before. Exactly, it was like it was like Doctor Manhattan because he, he even said, um, "This is already this is already happening." Like it's happening now, and it's already happened. Yeah. So, so like I'm living I'm living it now as well as living then because <laughs> because Sister Knight is able to ask Doctor Manhattan questions in the present, mm-hmm. so Doctor Manhattan can ask her grandfather in the past. Yes. Because he lives in past, present, and future simultaneously. Yes. So. Yeah, now you know what the bigger conspiracy is because <laughs> the Seventh Cavalry is a continuation of Cyclops. Yes, and you know they think it's just gonna, they're trying to create a race riot again, yes. but it's far freaking worse. Uh, the new Senator Keen, mm-hmm. the son of the one who, or grandson, either way, is a grandson. Who, yeah, who passed the Keen Act that outlawed superheroes originally is trying to make sure that they are able to abduct Dr. Manhattan and try and transfer his power into him. So that way he could become the uh, all-white god of the universe, basically. Right. Batman who laughs. 
Right? <laughs> so. so it's interesting too about that. Um, so the one of the things we neglected to mention in the series, uh, they're having crimes by this group of the Seventh Cavalry, and the Seventh Cavalry, they're not really doing anything nefarious other than stealing um, old nickel, nickel cadmium batteries. I want to say. Yeah. Um, and they need, and what you find out is they need these batteries because they're the only things that can neutralize or at least contain Doctor Manhattan's um, they, his energy, his energy signature. They melt enough of them down to make a gigantic cage. Yeah. To keep him in. It's like a null, null mm-hmm. cage. Somehow these nickel, um, these um, <laughs> these batteries can neutralize his abilities to use his powers to a degree. To a point, so I found that weird, but <clears throat> yeah, we figured that out. Probably Ozymandias who figured that. Well, because they, <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, the reason why he, I guess, we'll touch on Ozymandias' story arc, which <laughs> basically Ozymandias doesn't do much. He just makes sure the squids keep raining. Mm-hmm. But you find out that uh, you know, basically, the reason Robert Redford is president is because Ozymandias wanted it to happen. Mm-hmm. He, he keeps rigging world events from Antarctica mm-hmm. to make sure that his vision of a utopia can come to pass. But the only problem is he wants credit. Right. But to get credit would undo everything. Right. So now, like, whenever he gets Robert Redford elected, he records this video message for him that he recorded like five years before Redford gets elected. Right. And basically tells him, you know, like, you, you know, no need to thank me or something like that, you know, but by the way, here's what I did. Right. I created this giant squid that destroyed New York a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And now I got you elected. Right. So what are you going to do? You find out that that tape he sent, the entire Senate's seen it. Right. Like, the Intelligence Committee and whatnot, like, they've all seen it. They know what it is, which is why little shit Keen yes. knows that, you know, he, he has an idea that not everything is right. Correct. He, he realizes, too, because they know Dr. Manhattan isn't on Mars, which means he has to be somewhere else, and there's a good chance he's on Earth. Right. So now... They gotta figure out who, yeah. the, who Dr. Manhattan is... And they accidentally get their answer on the White Knight. So Ozymandias, we'll cut back to Ozymandias for a second, is able to create a uh, coin that Dr. Manhattan can insert into his head to basically forget that he's Dr. Manhattan and become more human. Yes. Uh, And the only thing that has to happen is that, you know, you want to ever come back to be Dr. Manhattan again, you just got to bash his skull open and take yes. the dang thing out. And it was supposed to be Ozymandias' plan A for whenever Dr. Manhattan attacked him at the end of the comic, but yes. never quite came to fruition. So he went with plan B instead, which was to try and vaporize him. <laughs> um, so he gives that to Dr. Manhattan under the condition that Dr. Manhattan delivers something to him, which... Dr. Manhattan had been creating life on Europa. Yes, he created on, uh, on the Europa moon. He, he, he created, t- um, yeah. Uh, uh, he terraformed an entire, yeah. yeah. Moon. yeah. Planet, planet. Well, a certain section of it, because uh, that gets interesting. 
is yeah. whenever. So he basically creates an entire... Well, it's the same two people, Crookshanks, and I can't remember... The who, female. Yeah, yeah, who the other woman's name is, but it's the same two people, and you harvest them out of the water and grow them. Right. And they grow mm-hmm. fast. Right, and they're then, technically clones. Yeah. So he has an entire, like, subservient clone army. And he limits their intelligence, too. Like, I think there's there's one who probably was prime, that yeah. was the smartest, but their, their intelligence is sort of limited, depending, right. so... Yeah, and he basically gave Adrian the utopia where he would be worshipped like he wanted to be. He asked him, he, I mean, he literally asked him, asked him, hey, I have this place in Europa where you can, where you can be worshipped as you always want to be worshipped. Are you sure that's what you want? And after he got his token, he made sure he asked him again. And Ozymandias, being the egotistical person he is, wanted to be worshipped, said yes. Turns out Ozymandias didn't really want to be worshipped. No, uh, the the adoration he got was absolutely dull to yes. him. His ego was finally fed, <clears throat> but then I guess it was more of the and Alexander wept because he had no more lands left to conquer. Right, uh, you know he very much. It was his prison at it that was. point. It was, and he even says, "This is my prison," and so Azabendius, being the smart genius he is, evil, I'll bet. He decides, hey, let me experiment. And so he started experimenting with his clones, and he found he found the, the threshold. Yeah. And somehow, out of that primitive-ass society he lived in, he managed to forge himself a space suit. He did. And he, it took many iterations, because it shows you a little bit of how many, how many bodies he sent yeah. <laughs> to the threshold. Well, he did that. And, <laughs> like, everything about his plan is brilliant. It really is. Um so somehow he was cued into future events, so he knew exactly when certain things would be happening. But uh, you come to find out he has a daughter who wasn't really wanted or legitimate by his eyes because someone, well, let's just say smuggled his seed. Um, let's, and just, let's just say this. Anytime you leave that stuff anywhere where it can be reached, it's your fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And when you when you get so frozen, you make sure that it's airtight and nobody can get to it. And the servant that he had at his Antarctic base artificially, uh, you know, got herself uh, pregnant there and escaped. Turkey based. Turkey based. Yep. <clears throat> so she leaves and gives birth to this woman who inherits all of Ozymandias' great qualities, like his ego his intelligence and apparently ability to make boatloads of cash. Yes. Uh, and she tries to go to him later on with her plan. Like, I think we can actually save this planet. Like, just hear me out. And he's like, no, you can't. You're not my daughter. Uh, you, <laughs> it's like the only thing you are to me was sample 362. Yes. You know, like, and that's it. He is very content with telling her to piss off and run along, you know, because she's an illegitimate child in his eyes. Which lights a fire under her like no other. Like, I think that because he did that, she, to be honest, I think she was probably smarter than he was. Maybe. uh, I think, I I mean, that's my opinion, because what she did to save him. (laughs) Oh, yes. To get his final admission of 
you are my daughter. And that was for you. That, yeah. that was great length. That was crazy. Except he still outplays her. He does. He like, does. okay, so his daughter goes by the name of Lady True, and that's who... That's what I'm thinking, Lady. That, that's <clears> and that's that's who abducted Hooded Justice in yes. the SUV. Because she knows that he knows Dr. Manhattan's still on Earth. Right. And now we cut to the events of the White Knight whenever the uh, person who is going to gun down um, Regina King's character is getting ready to pull the trigger to end her life and all of a sudden gets mysteriously teleported away to, if I recall correctly, Tucson. Yes. Yeah. And that was the only mistake that he made, that Dr. Manhattan made, was the fact that he allowed this guy to live. He could have, like, erased this guy completely, but he, for whatever reasons... Either he knew this was going to happen, or he did it on purpose. He let he teleports this guy away and lets him live. And she's like, "Why did you stop him?" He's like, "No, I think she's like, what did you do to him?'" He's like, "He's okay." She's like, "No, why didn't you stop him?" He's gonna and he's like, "He's nowhere near to cause problems, to cause harm." Right. Which ends up still not being true. <laughs> yeah, because now this guy is still alive, and he calls Senator Key, and it was just like. You know, trying to report on the uh, status of his mission there and just like, where are you at right now? Well, I'm in Tucson. Why the hell are you in Tucson? You're supposed to be killing a cop right now. It's like, see, that's the problem. (laughs) Like, I shot her, but I'm in Tucson. Like, you know, like, I got teleported here. Right. Something weird happened. Okay, so now Senator Keene knows that not only is Dr. Manhattan on Earth... He's in freaking Tulsa. Right. And he's one of two people. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. This this is getting weird now. Like, and this is where it all starts to really so, gel together. So I want to bring a segue to this right quick. Like, <clears throat> one of the things I didn't understand about the series was I thought that um, Ozymandias' child was going to actually be the little kid that um, Sister um, Sister Knight had. The, the one that she adopted. Oh, yeah, because she adopted other victims, right. uh, children from the White Knight. Because well. he was super intelligent. The one I'm talking about was super intelligent, too. He was, like, mm-hmm. building stuff. Like, I was yeah. Like, Is that Ozymandias' child as well? What the, what's going on with this? Because cause they haven't explained that yet. You just know that he's super smart and he's a little dark, too. Yeah. So you want, I'm wondering, like, who is... <laughs> is this Night Owl 2's kid or something? What, right. Who is this? Which is kind of funny, because... <clears throat> uh, I guess we have forgot to mention that Lori Blake is also investigating everything. Uh, but she's also investigating what's going on. Yes. At the behest of Senator Keene. Yes. And she's not quite privy to what the hell's going on. She figures it out, though. A little too late. Yeah, but she does figure it out. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. she gets... Uh, she gets drugged. She gets drugged by the old <laughs> Cyclops people. Who yeah. Happens to be the police chief's wife. She yeah. was in on it, too. Um, Which is sort of messed up. Cause I actually like that chick, right? I was rooting for her. I was like, "Your <laughs> husband got killed, got betrayed by his own people," and he's like, "Oh no!" But around this time, Looking Glass is also t- kind of attempted to get recruited in the Seventh Cavalry and shown that Ozymandias video that admits to the squid attack. Mm-hmm. So now his past trauma, he knows who's responsible, mm-hmm. and it immediately turns into no, this guy. Yep. You know, like, and then the Seventh Cavalry for some reason, still tries to kill him anyway. But he kills all seven of them that go after him. Well, I think they tried to kill him because they know he wasn't... He wasn't, wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to join them. And to be honest, he technically 
that sort of unleashed him. So technically, he could be the next Rorschach. Because oh, yeah. now he's he has no he knows that the whole squid thing is just made up. He killed all those people that came after him. Yes. And then turned around, took some of their, we'll say array like their their guard their garments, you know, right. which they all wear Rorschach masks. Right. For some reason, appropriating his likeness, and I still can't figure out why. Um, <clears throat> but true, true reflection of life, I guess. I don't know. I guess, <laughs> you know, something about them ever changing. I don't know, uh, but uh, and tries to figure out what the hell their end game is too. So now everybody's coming together. Yeah, right. Um, and he actually saves um, Sister Knight. Yes. She helps save Sister Knight, and she helps thwart um, Ozymandias' crazy daughter. So Senator Keen reveals himself to be the leader of Cyclops at this mm-hmm. time, and is uh, yes, he's a huge, <laughs> huge freaking moron. Um, although you know he kind of achieved his goal. Well, actually, I guess I should take that back because after, after you know, before that, Regina King uh, manages to turn her husband, who is Doctor Manhattan, back into Doctor Manhattan. Yes, and he's extremely confused, but he also. Uh, does something very special with some of the food in their house um, at one point. Yes. And he explains it at the <clears> end, <throat> and she has to figure out what he meant. Yes. <clears throat> so uh, he uh, is basically, and this is the point when you really realize how awful it is to be Dr. Manhattan, mm-hmm. is that he's telling her, like, here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, yeah, but you know that. You can change it. And he's like, no, I'm living it right now. Mm-hmm. Which means when you find out what happens, what he has to live through every day of his life and experience every moment, every day of his life is terrifying. Right. He's a prisoner of his own powers. Mm-hmm. Like, he, it's almost nihilism at its finest. Like, I can't change this because mm-hmm. I'm experiencing it all. It's all the present, yet it's the past and the future. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I am constantly, like, I know how this will all end. And he's telling her as they're going, he's just like, well, no, the 7th Cavalry's here right now. What's going to happen is they're going to take me. He doesn't tell her how they're going to take him. So she tries to save his life, and she she kicks some ass. Oh, yeah, she she, she went full <clears throat> warrior mode. Yeah, they, they brought an army, and it wasn't enough. Right. But uh, she gets pinned down, though, after she... She cleans the floor with him for a while. And uh, Dr. Manhattan comes out and starts blowing them up head by head. Yeah, pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Until she's like, oh, I thought you said, you know, we weren't going to make it. And he's like, no, there's one guy you grazed earlier, and he's going to use this tachyon teleporter yeah. to take me uh to take me away from here. Right. And as soon as he says it, the guy pops up and activates the machine and blasts him. Yeah. And the whole time you're thinking, like, well, just turn around and blast this son of a bitch. Or you know duck, he's man. there. Just duck. <laughs> right? Like, no, you know. Or teleport. Yeah. Well, he just, he lets it happen. And he also explains earlier on in one of him and, um, you know, Sister Knight's previous conversations that our relationship will end in tragedy. Right. It will end with me dying. Right. And he knows when it's going to happen. She knows that this 10-year mark is up. Right. So she knows what's going to happen, too. 
the thing is, Dr. Manhattan is such a prisoner of his own powers that he relives his death every day. So time never really ends for him, but he has to relive this traumatic moment to the point where he even reveals that he's scared of it when it actually gets there. Even though he knew it was coming, he didn't do anything to change it, and he could have. Right. Like, it's just tragic as hell. His powers are quite literally the worst thing that ever happened to him. Yep. But hey, I got to say, though, um, his ex-wife, she was there, and she saw it, and she understood the whole thing, too, though, in the end. Yeah. Why he chose Regina King's sister, uh, Knight's character, to be his... um, but I don't, I don't, you know what, to be honest, I can't say this. I'm a dude, I don't know how the female feels. I just know how I feel about my wife. The the adult scenes that they had, I understand why she didn't want to let him go because right. those adult scenes was freaking next level. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, and I... And that's me keeping it PG. <laughs> I, I absolutely love the fact that they gave him an ending yes. the way they did. Because I always thought he was unbeatable. <clears throat> but he very clearly knew he was going to get captured, lets it happen, even though he's already experiencing what happens after he gets captured. He just doesn't, he can't change anything because it's all happening at the same time. Uh, but Keen reveals that he wanted to capture Dr. Manhattan because he wants to transfer his powers and become the all like, white savior of... Mm-hmm. Was it the world or just America? It would have it would have been the world regardless because oh, he was yeah. that powerful. Well, probably would have been the universe, universe at that yeah. point. He was so egomaniacal. Yeah. And he was the one of those. Like, he kept that veneer as a senator. He was the one who created that act that allowed police to remain masked so they'd be protected. He, mm-hmm. you know, he was a friend to the people even though, you know, it was only one type of people. Right. You know, but he put on that good veneer in public, like, this is... And, I mean, they even used the term, oh, she's one of the good ones, speaking sister, such a night. Yeah. And it's like, what the fudge? Right, exactly. Like, he, uh... He tries to... I think he tries to even use that racist trope of, like, no, it's not that I hate, mm-hmm. you know, black people. It's that I think... You know, like, it's just too hard to be a white man, and I want to correct that. Right. He actually says that. Right. Like, kind of, that, that kind of speech. I paraphrase the hell out of it, but right. he's a douchebag. Right. And what happens next is absolutely amazing, because when he steps <laughs> in his little, the fly machine, because it kind of reminds me of the Jeff Goldblum teleporter <laughs> to fly, and tries to transfer his powers... You almost think it worked for a second before so, all of a sudden the entire crowd gets teleported somewhere else. <laughs> so I got to give two shots out there to Ozymandias' daughter for that. That uh, she she planned that out perfectly. Again, she did. I don't know how her and Ozymandias could predict certain things, but whatever that genetic trait they have that they shared, that she was she was always on time. That's all I can say. She's like the clockmaker. <laughs> yes. And the, the funny thing was, is it's kind of implied she gives him some of the technology. Mm-hmm. To kind of trap Dr. Manhattan because it suits her goals, too. Exactly. But she, what she doesn't tell him is, if you really want to transfer his power, you need this. Right, exactly. So when they open up the pod, 
Senator Keen has turned into slush. I say what can only be described as the contents of a SpaghettiOs can. Yes. Like basically. when you dump that shit out. Like he is <laughs> he he is nothing but just some kind of melted milkshake basically. or whatever. It's it's disgusting. Um, yeah, because all the members of the of the Seventh um, Cavalry were like backing yeah. up from the blood, like it's gonna do something to them. Right, and Lady True is like, "Oh, you know, he forgot something really vital about that <laughs> power transfer." It's just like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so she knew he was gonna get turned into chum and did yeah. nothing. Yeah. Uh, because well, she hates them too. Like she hates those racist dickbags, and she's got the entire hierarchy of the Seventh Cavalry right now yeah. in her midst. Yes. And the Seventh Cavalry, who is it? The the chief, the police chief's wife, just goes, "Look, we know what you're gonna do. Just kill us." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh, you really took the fun out of it," and then just lasers them. Yeah, like obliterates yeah. them. So yeah. Pretty freaking awesome. <clears throat> but now she reveals she wants to take Dr. Manhattan's powers Place. instead. Yes. Because she, because Dr. Manhattan all that, had all that power to change the world, but he didn't, didn't do nothing. anything with it. Yeah, and that's, that's her resolve, which is also sort of what Ozymandias was saying in a, in, a, in a sense, too. Yeah. You have all this power, but you choose not to use it. So, so now Ozymandias has made it back there. Uh, he's seeing what she's doing. And he, know, like, he, he picks up on, oh, gosh, no, this would be horrible. Yeah, and he's like, oh, wow, she really is my daughter. Exactly. <laughs> and Dr. Manhattan, with the last of his power, managed to transport him, Looking Glass, and Lori, or Silk Spectre too, I should say, to mm-hmm. his base in Antarctica, mm-hmm. uh, to where he can create another squid rain. Mm-hmm. And he does. Except this time... He freezes them to turn them basically into pellets. Yes. And what was it he says? Something to the effect of like, oh yeah, she would love to have all that power so that way she could have the entire world groveling at her tiny blue feet. Yes. You know, like, and just like, you're just jealous because you wanted it. You know? And you got outsmarted by your own daughter. (laughs) So, Dr. Manhattan gets killed, his power gets drained, he dies. You think his power gets drained, there's, there's, there's a twist. There, there's a kicker to it, yeah. And the squid rain starts before Lady True can start to transfer the power to herself. Right. And, yeah, she gets absolutely pummeled by that horrid icy blast of squid squid babies. So one thing we glazed over also was uh, Lady True had a, what you thought was her daughter. Oh, yeah. It ends up being her mother. She cloned her mother. Um, yep. Because she loved her mom that much, she cloned her and kept her around as her daughter. So that was always interesting to me. I, and her daughter figured it out and was like, <laughs> Ozymandias figured it out too, he did. which was even weirder because he's just like, and I'm assuming that's your mother. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. The fuck. Exactly. I can't, yeah. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's really where the series... Oh, it, it doesn't end there, though. It doesn't end there. Lady True gets beaten, everything is back to normal. The white supremacists have been... Sorry, this group of white supremacists yes. has been wiped off the earth in really spectacular fashion. So now, basically, <laughs> you're left with them having to figure out how to, I guess, reorganize the police force. Yep. Um, and you got Lady Truth. She's basically at a... At a 
at a point where she has to figure out her life now and yeah. the life of her, her kids. Yeah, Sister Knight is <clears throat> left with a severe crisis on her hands because, well, her husband's dead now, too. Yeah. Um, however, he, she remembers a conversation. Mm-hmm. And Hooded Justice kind of alludes to the fact he might be aware of this conversation, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is the favorite yeah, part of it. There was a, just like, oh, so could you transfer your powers to someone else? And he's like, possibly. Mm-hmm. There's a very good chance that if I were to transfer a portion of my power into something organic, like an egg or something mm-hmm. like that, and she finds the carton of eggs she slapped out of his hand earlier, and all of them are broken except for one. Yeah. So, uh, doing what any sane human being would do, she gobbles that shit down real fast. I would say, if I had a chance to be Dr. Manhattan after eating an egg, I'd take it. <clears throat> Even though I realize that he's a prisoner to his own power. Um, and, yeah, she, she eats that egg. And then the last shot of the series... She's walking towards her swimming pool in the backyard, and yeah. I guess she's going to test and see if she can float. See if she can walk on water. Right, because yeah. that was one thing that um, he did uh, that she found that was amusing or she found interesting was the fact that he could walk on water. So right. she's going to do the walk. She's going to do the Jesus test. However, excuse me. They they leave it on a they leave it on that ambiguous note. You never see her foot hit the water. Right. But the twist was actually given away by the posters for the show. Yeah. So if you take a look at Sister Knight on the uh, Watchmen series posters, Easter like eggs. pictures, yeah, that they released prior to the show coming out, you'll see that she's always bathed in blue light in all of them. No mm-hmm. other character is. Mm-hmm. And the show, the showrunner's like, "What do you mean? What happened at the end? I gave you everything <clears throat> you needed to know in the promos." Right. Like, yeah, she's Doctor Manhattan. Basically. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, she is Dr. Manhattan, and then she'll go on in season two if they ever do one to create the new 52 DC universe. There you go. All right. <laughs> Tied it back into the comics. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, though, because I want them, if they do come, if it does come back, which I think what they're doing now, HBO is doing, is parodying, parodying it with um, Lovecraft Country, because they still that's some of the same concepts. Yeah. Um, and now they've actually got magic in Lovecraft Country that they're starting to show if you've seen further episodes. I need to catch up. I'm not going to spoil it. Then. And, um, but they're still tying up the same issues what they left off with on um, Dr. Manhattan, in a sense. Yeah. But I'm leaving it at that since you haven't finished seeing the series yet. I mean, up, to the, up to the current point yet. That whole freaking twist, though, like, that whole series took somehow made it contemporary, even though they had showed you, for one, it kind of showed you that to a certain degree, some of the history doesn't really change. Right. Like, sure, we might not have had the same level of race, you know, race massacre that they did in Tulsa. Right. But, they tried to make it as contemporary as possible with showing you the fact that, you know, police retaliation, police brutality was still a huge issue. You right. know, in this plant, like they tried to keep it contemporary while also making it race related, which was extremely intelligent because that is an incredibly hard line to walk. Right. And they did it in a smart way from a white dude who was the showrunner. Like that could have gone real bad real quick. But the thing about it is, though, is that 
I know Alan Moore probably hates it because he hates all the adaptations of his work, even though this isn't really an adaptation so much as a continuance. Right. But um, it is spiritually on par with the comic that That's he wrote. True. 100%. Like, none of these heroes are good people. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, like, none of, none of these people are really good people. Sister Knight's the, <clears throat> the only person who seems to have a uh, really, well, maybe Looking Glass, too. But Looking Glass gets his tipping point, though. Whenever he finds out that his whole freaking life has been, the trauma was caused by one man and not a giant squid. Right. And he finally gets to arrest Ozymandias at the end. He does. That was that was funny to me because I'm seeing <laughs> I'm seeing um Jonathan, was Irons Jeremy Irons Jeremy yeah. Irons I'm seeing him portray um, a shocked Ozymandias like I just saved the world you're gonna arrest yeah <laughs> he's like I saved the world twice and exactly. you still want to do this <laughs> exactly and then doesn't uh, doesn't Lori oh, pistol with him she does yeah <laughs> she's just you know just like he never shuts up yeah really. yeah. <laughs> So you finally get the justice for three million people. Right. And the psychological trauma of potentially millions more. Right. To finally come to a head by arresting Ozymandias. Dr. Manhattan is no longer around. Well, that anybody knows of. Right. Dr. Manhattan is gone so that, you know, weaponized concept there is gone. You get rid of a huge conspiracy of white supremacists. Uh, you know, so uh, the scope is still large. If you think about it, you know, like the it's not world peace, but it is, even though nobody will realize it. Right. Like nobody knows what Lady True would have done, and she got in Doctor Manhattan's powers. The ego was there. She truly was Ozymandias's offspring. Right. So chances are, it wouldn't have gone well. Ozymandias is arrested so he can't manipulate world events anymore. Right. Um, hell, I you don't... You still know. have Europa now that's, like, independent. Yeah. <laughs> he just got all these clones on Europa. Right. It's be interesting in the future. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the world is in a better place, even though the only thing that will probably get written in the history books is the fact that Lady True died in a freak squid accident and that the 7th Cavalry disappeared because they literally got vaporized. There's nothing left. Well, I mean, that... that except for the slushy... Except for the slushy that was Senator King. <laughs> yeah, that, that version of them is gone. Like, they, So the only thing that happens is you all of a sudden have a group that disappears, someone who gets killed in a frosty squid attack... And then Dr. Manhattan's still missing, as right. far as the wider public knows. No one knows that the world was just made a better place for the fact that basically Dr. Manhattan let himself die and Ozymandias wanted to kill his kid. Right. So, yeah. So, everybody... It's kind of interesting because, really, it ties back to the beginning of the series and the fact of... I, 
I would venture to take a guess as to how many people knew what the Tulsa Race Massacre was in 1921 that the series quite literally begins with. It does, yeah. And not to it mention, did. do you know the events that led up to it? Right. Not a whole lot of people probably did. Right. Because history books kind of tend to gloss over that. Yep. I, I can remember a history book that I saw it in in school where I swear it only got like a paragraph. Even though the events that occurred were horrifying enough, it should have gotten really its own separate book. You know, like it, at least a very least large a section. Or two yeah. So to explain. But that's but that's kind of the point of the series though right. too, is that history just kinda it might repeat itself in a certain way, but it does get glossed over. Well, I mean, even even in the series, the series even talked about um police officers um being viewed even though they're one police force, they're still segregated. You still have, even amongst the whole blue lights, the blue lives thing in the series. Because, I mean, they start talked about we're all one brotherhood, except yeah. when it comes down to black and white. You know, um, the, the black officer were treated differently than the white than the white officers. Even when the black officer being um, the, the... Even when the black officer arrested the gangster dude, because he had ties to the police force, they let him go. Or they wouldn't arrest. They wouldn't allow the black officer to arrest yeah. the guy, even though he was a criminal. Right. The, it, and then the white officers refused to arrest him because he he worked with them for certain things. So he wasn't their target at that point. Right. So I mean, it even showed that that type of um, thing that's going on in the social world in, in our current world in in, in life. So I mean, it's. It just showed a lot of different angles, not only just race, but race within organizations. And just shows um, it shows systemic racism yeah. throughout this whole in, in, in his whole view. I guess you can say, right. which and then, which is interest, interesting for a show to be to give such a, a story that's not simple, but at the same time, it, it is you know simple because they're they're speaking about everything. And, and they're dividing it up so you understand this is how society is seen or is, you know, in that in that light. So I don't want to get too philosophical on that. I'm just expressing how the series broke down relations between race relations and social um, relations that dealt with race. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's the weird part, you know, is how it managed to tread that line. It did. Because, yeah, you... You fuck up once on that, like that's that's done. And it definitely shows sexism. I mean, you got Ozymandias here, who believes he's the most intelligent person in the world. He finds out he has a daughter. He doesn't like her, not necessarily because she is Asian, half Asian, and have whatever Ozymandias can call considers mm-hmm. himself as, but it's because she's a female, and it's also because she's illegitimate to him because he did not intentionally create yeah even and, though he came even though she was from his yeah. his loins his seed you know the weird part to me about that is, is i don't know Genetic if ozymandias himself. would have respected any of his children even if he had willingly made them well, no because you know that well anytime that they would ever step up to his level it would be a challenge to his ego mm-hmm. his narcissism and his ego are so vicious that for one, he can't accept anything less than perfection. Correct. Which is strange because Lady True is essentially perfect. Yes. 
I mean, compared to him, especially. But the thing is, he can't accept that perfection if he would ever find it in any of his kids, because at that point, that's also a challenge that they might be better than him. Right. And his egoism and narcissism won't allow it. Right. So I don't think he would have respected any of his children. I can see that point when you bring it up, when you break it down that way, yeah. I see that. Um, what else did they show in there? Um, there are a lot of different aspects in that. I mean, you got Sister Knight taking on the kids of her ex-police um, force members that were executed by the 7th Legion, and these kids are from all different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And actually, one set of girls, her father was super racist and was upset that Sister Knight had them because Sister Knight was a black woman. He thought they should be, he, he wasn't necessarily part of the 7th Cavalry, but he believed that mm-hmm. they should be with their own kind or their own skin tone. Yeah. People that look like them, because he figured they'd be confused, which was sort of, you know, that's still racist. Well, yeah. To, and- to believe that someone of a different... Um, ethnicity group can't raise it's your, you know raise someone that's of a different another different ethnicity group but which trying to figure that one out it, it, like it's not like they didn't know they weren't adopted they knew exactly that. they knew that yeah and she let she let him visit she let them have that connection which was uh, which was was interesting because she knew all he was but she still would not deny them that interaction because that was their grandfather so I mean yeah. Yeah, it it was God, it was an incredible series. It and was. It it mixed all it miss it mixed so much societal themes that we live through today. It was I, I think it was it was very it was, a, it was a very good series. It was very complicated, but it was also simple when you look at it because it it was something like I, I sort of mentioned earlier, it had empathy. It did. It had empathy. And that's what a lot that's what we're missing in my opinion, in this society, is empathy. But and it covers, like I said, all the themes from the comic too of that public face that you put on, but the mm-hmm. darkness behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, you know the. I mean, yeah, it goes back like with that human nature is dark, but it's our humanity that that holds that darkness in. Right. Without that humanity, then we become like the comedian. Comedian virtually lost his humanity because his privilege kept him from facing consequences. So he thought he could do whatever the frack he wanted. Well, yeah, his privilege kept him from facing consequences, and the worst part was he was kind of like Rorschach in a way that he just saw that humanity in and of itself was disgusting Yes. whenever you get a group collective in on it. And in case anybody hearing this and me saying privilege, I'm not saying because he, the comedian was a white guy. I'm saying he was privileged. He had the hand, he had the ear of every president yeah, I say the from government, World War II on, the government protected him. <laughs> exactly, that's, that's privilege. Exactly, it is not. It, it, I'm not breaking it down by racial means. I mean privilege and in the purest sense of the word. Although, <laughs> see, that's one of those points where I know I shouldn't have laughed, and <clears throat> they did it in the movie. Is whenever he fires that gas canister mm-hmm. out of that launcher directly into a protester's back. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around with a cigar in his mouth and he goes, God damn, I haven't had this much fun since Woodward and Bernstein. There you go. I lost it. Because anybody who's not familiar with history on that, Woodward and Bernstein, which I'm sure you've heard Woodward's name plenty here recently. Oh, yeah. 
uh, Woodward and Bernstein were the reporters who exposed the Watergate scandal. Yeah. That brought Nixon down. But in the world of Watchmen, Nixon served five terms. He did. Because they never put that amendment to the Constitution in effect where a president can only serve two. Right. Or at least that rule. Was it amendment? I, think it, I, I can't remember. Out of the 27 we have, I cannot remember all of them word for word. But I thought it was because it was done after FDR. Who yeah. served? Who technically would have served four terms. But yeah. Let's just say the comedian was like Dick Cheney. You shoot a man in the face and he apologizes to you for you shooting him in the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's privilege. <laughs> but, but yeah he was I mean and that same brand of like nihilism is essentially just carried over yeah like everybody like nothing matters I'm not gonna try I'm not gonna try to be a decent person because in the end it's all just a joke anyway right like it, you know and he stumbled onto Ozymandias' plan, and the funny thing was, is that was his Rorschach moment. It broke him to the point where he regretted everything he'd done up to that point. Mm-hmm. Because Ozymandias had somehow convinced him to keep quiet, but when he saw that he was cracking, that's when Ozymandias breaks into his apartment in the beginning of the series and kills him. Mm-hmm. So, oddly enough, Edward Blake gained his humanity back, which was what killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was the one time he was willing to do the right thing that got him killed. Right. I, I totally agree with you there. Out of all the horrible things he, he had done up to that point, he decided to have a conscience and it killed him. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the Watchmen series, you kind of get that Dr. Manhattan and probably what is his greatest show of empathy throughout the entire series, comic or the television series, and letting himself die and trying to pass his powers on to his wife mm-hmm. because she is somebody who understands struggle, who knows what the world really is, but would use the powers to make things better because despite having been nearly gunned down for being a cop, she never wavered from her duty as a cop. Mm-hmm. She still struggled to do right, even in the face of adversity and the horrid racism that was present in front of her, you know, like... She never stopped. Right. So her getting those powers was essentially Dr. Manhattan giving the world one last gift. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say, but I don't think they'll do a season two. They don't necessarily have to. Like I said, they, they can just transfer it over to Lovecraft country right now. Yeah, so. I say I don't think they need to. And it's weird because I thought it was so good that at first I'm like, God, I can't wait for next season. But then I got to thinking about it. I'm like... No, just leave it here. Well, if you look at the award shows, I think they got some Emmy. Not they got Emmys. They, they got some Emmys, yeah. And they actually listed listed it as a a limited series. Yeah. So that could be telling you they're not. They may or may not be coming back with another season. Well, yeah. The Damon Lindelof, the guy who created the series, uh-huh. uh, basically said, "I mean, they can do it if they want. I'm not doing it." Right. Like he he's he's been adamant ever since the first episode of the first season aired. Like this should just be a one series thing. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, like I said before, I keep mentioning you got other series like Lovecraft Country, which they are they they've already. If you watch Lovecraft, I know we're not talking about that tonight, but when we do talk about it, it'll be some of the same themes <laughs> because they basically transferred that that stuff over in a dip, in a mystical way. <laughs> and I think that's the thing about this too is like. They ended on, they started on a high note and ended on a high note. This series never lost traction. I agree. 
So freaking cut it off right there. And if you didn't give Tim Blake Nelson or Regina King an Emmy, give him one now. Golden, I don't give a shit. Golden Globe, do whatever. Give him an Oscar. It's not even a movie. I don't care. Like, they both killed it. I agree. I agree. Actually, the guy who played Dr. Manhattan was damn good, too. I agree. Yeah. He's been in stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I loved the hell out of that series. It was a good series. So, yeah, we, do we have anything else to discuss on this? I think we covered, we definitely covered the series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the comic, you covered, you definitely covered the major points of the graphic novel. So is there anything else we want to talk about in this cast? Uh, I don't know. I think if anybody out there who's listening has not read the graphic novel or caught the series, either or or both, do it immediately. I, you know, get a free trial of HBO Max if you can, binge it real fast and dump it off, unless you want to watch Lovecraft Country or one of the other dozens of other series that gives them like hundreds of Emmy nominations a year. But I swear you will. It, it's an interesting case study in humanity and history that oddly still holds up. And I would definitely tell you to definitely get the, the graphic novel. The movie is good, but it's again, it's a movie. And, and they, it's a long movie. Yeah. The graphics novel is more detailed. It gives you more. I mean, they, they, did, they did a good job with the movie. It's just long. That's what I'm trying to say. If you don't want to spend all that time at one point in time, to learn about the Watchmen or to under, try to understand it, the graphic novel is your best route. And <laughs> you get the extra tales from the Black Freighter without having to go with the director's cut there you of go. the movie. There and you go. it, the tales of the Black Freighter, if you pay very close attention to it, it reflects probably at least one character's journey, story arc, if you're paying close enough attention to it, but it also might reflect multiple character story arcs, really, by the end of the series. Like, so definitely check it out because, like I said, it's a great intersection of really the culture at the times that these were written uh, with a good divergence on U.S. history and an extremely interesting take on human nature. So much so that I actually have a book called Watchmen and Philosophy where they discuss the uh, different aspects of philosophical thought that were put into characters and events in the, in the uh, graphic novel. So, yeah, it's surprisingly brainy. And I'm giving another shout out to another show. Um, I've mentioned Lovecraft Country, but if anybody ever has time, also check out Man in the High Tower. And that's yeah. that's all my promotions there for things to watch and see <laughs> and, right now. <laughs> and I'll make one desperate appeal to somebody who I know will never hear this. Alan Moore, please watch that series. I know you said you never will, and that you historically hate adaptations of your work, but I think if you look at it as a continuance and a standalone story set in this universe, I think you can appreciate it. Um, it is most certainly not what they did to V for Vendetta, so please don't think of it that way. That's the <laughs> um, but yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> Either that or Hugo Weaving muttering yeah. off all those V words in that one monologue. Yeah. Um, actually, it's Hugo Weaving. He was, he was awesome as V, but they kind of they kind of dumbed that story down. 
Yeah. They did. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. Is there a magnificent bastard to declare for... I mean, I could either give it to uh, Alan Moore or Dr. Manhattan, considering they're the two most important people to the Washman universe. One guy wrote it. And Dave Gibbons. Yeah. The writer and the... the, um, Yeah. And the anchor, yeah. The the, the Alan Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, then, because they created this universe that really brought comics to a higher art form. Yeah. Essentially. Like, it could be a medium where you could explore the absolute utter darkness and kind of gave us stuff that we really got used to later, like the boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they owe a little bit to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you enjoy that kind of stuff, definitely go back and look at it because mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the reason why I would pick those two gentlemen um, is because sure. Dr. Manhattan is an awesome character, but that character could not have been created without the minds and without the illustrations of those two gentlemen. Um, that we that Cody that the Toothman has mentioned as a, as the glorious bastard. Um, and another thing about them, I think that they also they wrote a good they wrote a story that that touched on a lot of social. They so basically what I'm trying to get to is they made heroes that were not necessarily the heroes you read every day from DC or Marvel. They were heroes with a dark side. And and you, you can call some of them heroes, yes, but in all aspects, they were just they were people. They were, I guess they were more vigilantes than heroes, right? Yeah, really. They they they, they were working not necessarily within the law, but at the same time with the law. Yeah, so, yeah. And it, it's a giant <clears throat> police strike that gets them banned in the first place. The yeah. police get tired of the masks being able to do their job, so they they strike, and then it's up to the heroes to basically protect everybody and they can't right. do it. Um, but they also leave us with the immortal phrase that wasn't coined by this book, but it's ever present. And I don't think it's one we'll ever get rid of who watches the Watchmen. Right. Who watches the Watchmen, yes. It's something that we're kind of being forced to reckon with every day now. That is very true. So... Yeah, definitely keep that in mind. Um, like I said, series is incredible. TV show is a notch above a lot of things I've seen. Um, even my favorite stuff like this, clearly, whenever I saw the first two episodes, I was in. Especially with how unflinching they were towards certain depictions of things. But, right. Um, yeah. It absolutely worth every minute of time you spend on it. So I think on that note, uh, at least I'm good. How about you? I'm. Hey, I'm. I've said all. I, I think I've said all I can see on this. So. I'm, yeah, I can't. I can't gush about it anymore without having to get a mop <laughs> here. So that's the. <clears throat> so there we go on that. Um, as always, I you know. Follow us here on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, you know, like and comment. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. And we'll and be back with Harry Potter Part 2 soon. Yes, and we, we're even on Facebook. So if you guys have to um, graze Facebook there, look for <laughs> Right in the Nerds. And you'll, you'll find us. Oh, yeah. And uh, as always, I am Cody, the ginger. This is Ray BG. And... Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us and have a, stay safe out there and have a great day.